2: In the past, we have had several episodes where we've talked about waterfowl conservation issues and population status updates from Texas. I think we've actually had episodes uh, 59, 67, and 68 with Kevin Cry, and he's he's talked a a great deal about uh, population status, population trends in Texas. But on today's episode, we're actually going to talk about some of the habitat work that goes on in Texas, and specifically some of the work that's conducted in partnership with uh, by Ducks Unlimited in partnership with with other entities. And to help us with that, we're welcoming in a friend of mine, a colleague of mine, Dr. Todd Merendino, Manager of Conservation Programs for Ducks Unlimited uh, across the states of Texas, New Mexico, and Oklahoma. So, Todd, welcome into the Ducks Unlimited podcast, and thanks for taking the time to join us.
3: Sure, sure. Uh, glad to be here. Glad to do it. Glad to be a part of it.
2: Why don't you start off by talking... L- a little about the office, the Ducks Unlimited field office we have there in Richmond, Texas. Tell us uh, how many staff you have and uh, what uh, what kind of work y'all are involved in. We'll get into the uh, the Texas Prairie Wetland Project as the focus of this episode here a, bit, a little bit later on. But just generally, uh, tell us about that, that field office there.
3: Yeah, so our field office here uh, in Texas, we're located in Richmond, Texas, just on the western edge of Houston. And uh, the office, we've had this office in Texas since since about 1990 or so. And so out of this office, we oversee all of our habitat programs in Texas. Most of that work is on the Texas Gulf Coast. And we have, uh, in addition to myself, we have two biologists. One of our biologists, Taylor Absher, he handles our Texas Prairie Wetlands Project, which is our private landowner program. And then Kevin Harkey, he oversees the work with all of our public land partners, Groups like the Fish and Wildlife Service, Texas Parks and Wildlife, and some of the other conservation NGOs. In addition to that, you know, we have a staff of engineers. Uh, we have a regional engineer and uh, an engineer in training and then two engineer techs that uh, oversee all of our construction type
2: projects on the
3: coast and also on private lands.
2: And You yourself are a native Texan, right?
3: Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm certainly a native Texan. I was born uh, just outside of Beaumont, Texas. And uh, saving except a three or four-year stint when I was doing my graduate work up in, up in Canada, I've spent, I've spent pretty much all my life here on Texas and most of that on the Texas coast.
2: So three years was enough of the, of the cold weather for you? You got back south as quick as you could?
3: I actually really enjoyed it up there. I, I certainly enjoyed the fall, you know, doing waterfowl hunting there. And I certainly didn't miss the hot, humid summers here. But uh, it's certainly nice to get back home. I love saltwater fishing, so I'm really close to what I love.
2: Well, that's a good place for it. And I know you worked for Texas Parks and Wildlife for a number of years before you came to Ducks Unlimited. I was in Lafayette, Louisiana, <clears throat> working for the Gulf Coast Joint Venture for about 14, 13, 14 years. And we worked together throughout that time. And so this topic that we're going to discuss here is something that I know a fair bit about because you and I worked on this together along with other partners for for each of the 13 years that um, that I was there. And so I I actually, um, and I know a lot of a lot of. DU employees and biologists, everyone that works on this project, take a lot of pride in it, and it's the Texas Prairie Wetlands Project, and I, I think it's fair to say that for, it, from a, for many respects, it's a flagship program for wetlands conservation, private land wetlands conservation uh, in Texas, and, and so that's what we want to talk about today. I know it was in the news a fair bit last year in 2019, and we're going to get to that, that piece uh, a little later on. But uh, you know, Ducks Unlimited does have a number of these private land programs across the U.S., and so this is just one of those examples. Through time, we'll we'll jump around and uh, bring on other guests to to discuss those specific projects in other regions. But but today, it's the day for the Texas Prairie Wetlands project. So let's um, let's start out, if you could, Todd, by. By introducing this program, what is it, I and mean, when did it get started, and what are the overall objectives uh,
3: of it? Yeah, so the so the Texas Prairie Wetland Program, uh, I would certainly argue it'll be interesting to hear what your other guests have to say in their episodes. But I would certainly argue that it is one of the longest running, most successful. Uh, private land conservation projects, at least in the U.S., you know, it's got a mix of state and federal partners, and obviously it's got Ducks Unlimited leading it, and then it relies obviously on private landowners that 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 uh, where Ducks Unlimited does projects on their properties. But the uh, Texas Prairie Wetland Program itself, is really kind of formed or, or or came out of some really heavy. Uh, drought conditions on the Texas coast back in the late 80s and the early 1990s, and that was back when Texas was, you know, wintering close to a million snow geese, and there were cholera outbreaks every winter. And it was during one of those bad episodes um, that the thought was, you know, we need a private landowner program to help to help put water on the landscape across the whole coastal landscape to really spread birds out. And that's really where it got its start back in the early 1990s. And uh obviously like most programs, you know, it kinda of, it kinda of bounced along slowly at first and uh it has certainly ramped up over those years and uh you know, in the nearly thirty years of that project of around seventeen hundred individual projects totaling about eighty five thousand acres. And, uh, you know, the project was formed. It's a partnership with Ducks Unlimited, Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, and the Natural Resource Conservation Service. Those are the groups that have been at the table the whole time with that program. And, uh, you know, different groups bring different things to the table to, to help, you know, to help, to help that program put habitat on the landscape.
2: We had Dale Humberg on an earlier episode and Dale was talking with us about the North American Waterfowl Management Plan and uh, I was also on there and able to talk about the, the, the North American Waterfowl Management Plan joint ventures as sort of the regional delivery arms for the conservation and support of the North American Plan. And the the Gulf Coast joint ventures, I've mentioned numerous times, is the the regional partnership there along the Gulf Coast from uh, Alabama over to Texas. And the Texas Berry Wetland Project is a key delivery mechanism for helping to achieve some of the, the, the conservation objectives for that uh, for that partnership, the conservation planning that we do uh, in, in support of populations down there on the Gulf Coast, and so the Texas one Project is is an absolutely critical uh, component of that. And and uh, you know it's the under that umbrella of the Gulf Coast Joint Venture that this this program uh, kind of resides, you might say. You have the individual players as you're talking about that that have certain roles in delivering the project and helping to fund the 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 projects but uh, but it has a very clear tie to that Gulf Coast Joint Venture Partnership and so um, I know that's a I know that's an important piece and that's a a proud piece of of what that that program um, how it functions.
3: Yeah, so it's been yeah, yeah. So probably when it first started, you know, it uh, it started out of a I guess you know just an immediate need, right? You know, we've got you know, we've got we've got large numbers of geese and other waterfowl concentrated on the Texas coast, and how can we how can we basically spread those birds out? But it's since it certainly evolved, and obviously, and obviously, you know, with the science of the Gulf Coast Joint Venture, the Texas Prairie Wetland Program syncs up perfectly with those. Uh, With those bird and habitat objectives, right, to help, to help deliver those accomplishments, you know, across the Texas coast.
2: And maybe I'll take a minute here to kind of explain a bit more about our conservation planning when we're talking about objectives, because we're going to, we, we might get into this a bit later on, but uh, Mark Petrie, will will have him on an episode. I don't, by the time this one airs, I don't know if we will have, uh, we will have had Mark's episode, but we talk a lot about conservation planning uh, within Ducks Unlimited and also within our regional joint venture partnerships. And basically that means we're trying, we're using the best available science to figure out how much habitat and what type of habitat we need to put on the ground to support waterfowl populations in these different geographies and so the uh for for the gulf coast joint venture our conservation planning tells us we need oh just to say for for example i don't know i don't know if these are the exact numbers but let's say for the texas mid coast i believe it's somewhere in the neighborhood of one hundred and thirty thousand acres of sort of seasonal um, seasonal wetlands moist soil wetlands something of that nature and so it's this texas prairie wetland project that um that really drives some of the on-the-ground conservation and and in, uh, in, in trying to achieve those objectives. So I just wanted to tie that together with respect to objectives as we talk about them and say it's a it's a number that we derive from the science that just that guides the work of Ducks Unlimited and our partners with respect to how much work we need to be doing. And so you know, you referenced earlier that over the course of its lifespan. The, thus far, the Texas prairie Wetland Project has impacted somewhere in the neighborhood of eighty five thousand acres yes
3: that uh, yep, that is correct, Mike yeah, and most of our work through the you know most of most of those eighty five thousand acres that we have currently – you know that have been in the program, most of that work has been in the Texas mid Coast and I guess a good portion on the upper Texas coast. With um, very little of that work occurring on the extreme southern part of the Texas coast. But it's really, um, you know, the, the work we've done on the midcoast has uh, really tied in uh, with rice production agriculture. Um, just because those landowners have the infrastructure to manage for waterfowl already in place, you know, with levees and water control structures. And so this program has meshed heavily with that in the rice production counties
2: in Texas. You're beginning to touch on one of the other questions that I had for you. So when we look in this Texas midcoast, which goes from Corpus Christi north to Houston, that's an area – that is probably seeing has seen some of the greatest rates of wetland loss when you think about how development uh, and even historical conversion of some of those prairie wetlands has influenced that landscape. And so, you know, right now we're seeing a loss of rice agriculture across uh, across that region as a result of the westward expansion of Houston. Uh, and and you've you have you have mentioned you you referenced there that we work a lot with uh, with the rice producers. So, kind of building on that, give. Give people an idea of the type of projects that we work on. Like, like, what are we? We talk like Ducks Unlimited raises money to move dirt uh, in, in many cases t- to actually restore or enhance wetlands of various types. So, for this project in this geography, give us an example of the actual type of work that our that our engineers design and then that we then contract out in terms of dirt work or, or whatever other kind of in- infrastructure
3: yeah so so a prairie wetland project will typically get its start uh, from a landowner that will call our office, you know um, who has found out about our program and is and is interested in restoring or enhancing wetlands on their property and uh, they could be a rice producer or they could just be you know just a landowner in general right that has that has land on the Texas coast. In their interest in, in improving the wetland habitat on their property. So from there, Taylor Absher, uh, he's our regional biologist. He will go out and basically you know, ride around and kick the dirt with a landowner. You know, they'll spend a couple hours in a truck or you see ride around the property, um, you know, basically picking the landowner's brain of what they want to try to develop on that property and kind of taking a lay of the land to see, you know, uh, where would be good, good places on that property for a wetland project. Um, from there, we will we, we then will send our engineering staff out there to do a topographic survey of the parts of the property that look like the best opportunity so where those well and habitats could be enhanced. And um, you know our engineering staff will go out, uh, do a very detailed topographic survey, comes back into our drafting shop, and that's where all the design of the levees and, and the water control structures comes in from our engineering staff. And uh, then we basically present that plan back to the landowner to discuss you know uh, to discuss you know where the levees will be built the height of the levees the size and type of water control structures that will be installed to help them manage these wetlands.
2: And so these wetlands that are enhanced or are restored the the management of those is uh, it, it's ultimately those actions are ultimately conducted by the landowner. We as we have our bi- biologist at that uh, advise on potential management options, but ultimately, it's it's up to the landowner to actually go out there and do whatever kind of annual manipulations or inundation that may be necessary. But but talk a bit about the wetland development agreements that go along with these projects. The term of terms of those or the, the duration of those, uh, and just sort of the um, what they help us accomplish.
3: Yeah. So what's that? You know, once the so what's the engineering plan is completed. Uh, Taylor will go back out and meet with the landowners you know, to discuss the projects. And from there, once everybody is on the same page, we will write up a, a wetland development agreement, which basically outlines exactly what will be built. You know, it includes the engineering plans for the project. And it includes the roles of the landowner as well. Um, from a, and, and, and at the end of that WDA document, there is a management plan for the track. It will include some generic management strategies like mowing or disking or herbicide application to control certain types of vegetation. And also things like, you know, when the landowner uh, can remove the water from those projects. And in that document, it'll have, you know, the cost share responsibilities both of the program and for the private landowner. And the agreements themselves, Mike, you know, they are typically 10-year agreements. So once the, you know, once that project is in place, the landowner is basically agreeing to manage and maintain that site for 10 years.
2: Do we have a minimum um... Do we have a minimum cost share or private landowner contribution?
3: So the thing, obviously, with a where they a say a 30-year a program, right, private landowner program that is really reliant on private landowners, right? They have the private land where these projects are being delivered. And so really as a – um not you know as a consequence of a lot of factors, you know funding, um, funding requirements, landowner needs, um, habitat delivery objectives, the program has really evolved a lot over those thirty years. Um, currently the program is paying up to $300 an acre for those activities. Again, typically it'd be levee construction and water control structure installation. So the program pays the first $300 of those costs. And then the landowner picks up anything over that. And those costs can be anywhere from basically zero, right? If it's a relatively inexpensive project, or they could be a couple hundred dollars an acre on the landowner as well, depending on the size and type of the project. In the past, we've been able to we've been able to utilize that landowner investment as a match in our knock you know in a NACA grant application. We don't do that anymore just because the accounting of it's a little bit cumbersome for that. But we have done we have used it for that previously to go get additional dollars, right, to keep doing additional work as well.
2: I want to follow up on that because NACA, as you referenced it there, is the North American Wetlands Conservation Act. And most all of our members should have received at least once or twice or a dozen times a call to action notice about contacting their legislators to Uh, seek their support for NACA, that North American Wetlands Conservation Act, a key funding mechanism for wetlands conservation across North America. There's actually some of that funding that goes to Canada and some that goes to Mexico also, but the majority of it uh, is is expended in the U.S. And Ducks Unlimited applies for those grants. It's a competitive grant program. And some of the programs that we are projects, proposals that we submit are in helping to fund the Texas Prairie Wetlands Project. So – for anyone that's ever received one of those calls to action, just uh, here's the opportunity to link those calls to action to the funding and then the conservation program that actually gets delivered on the ground and where it gets delivered. And in your case, Todd, one of the guys that helps deliver that. So just trying to connect a few dots here and help people see the full uh, the full picture. Let's shift now to talk about the accomplishments. You have – and I think maybe I referenced it too uh, – over the life of this program we've seen somewhere in the neighborhood neighborhood of 85,000 acres uh, that have been influenced enhanced or restored as a result of this program and and here I'll I'll offer some some data that I'm familiar with from the Gulf Coast joint venture uh, with respect to the significance of the the contributions of this program to waterfowl habitat on the Texas coast uh, for the past decade or so the Gulf Coast joint venture, staff have been using satellite-based imagery to quantify how much waterfowl habitat is available on the landscape, on the Gulf Coast landscape, uh, during every fall and winter period. So, we use all these fancy water extraction methods, and they're done by our GIS remote sensing analyst. And but Basically, we can see how much waterfowl habitat is out there, and then we, we know where these Texas Prairie Wetland Projects are because we have the – well, you know, we know the properties on which they are and the sites on which they are delivered. So, we can then figure out what percentage of that total waterfowl habitat during a given year is provided – by the Texas Prairie Wetland Project sites, And it's actually pretty remarkable in some years. And I know I've seen some statistics that you've used, and they've come out of this Gulf Coast Joint Venture work, where on average, if you look across the Texas Midcoast and what we call the Texas Chenier Plain, which is basically that portion of Texas from Houston eastward to the Louisiana state line, uh, on average, Texas Prairie Wetland Project sites account for about 15 percent of the waterfowl habitat uh, in that landscape and up to 23 of percent of the waterfowl habitat depending on the, depending on the year. So basically the program that Ducks Unlimited and Partners is delivering can in some years account for a quarter of the waterfowl habitat across that geography. That's, that's pretty impressive.
3: Yeah, there's been a lot of blood, sweat and tears and all that <laughs> for sure over 30 years and and it's even more pronounced like in a drought year, right? That's when the program really stands out, you know, when we get in these drought years, kind of like we had last fall. And uh you know, that's when these that's when these 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 private land sites that are managed for waterfowl really those things those things really provide critical habitat. And it's not just for waterfowl, right? You think of all the other water birds, shorebirds, all those kind of birds that are moving through this coastal landscape during their spring and fall migration sites are really, you know, pr- provide some really critical habitat.
0: You and your dog are a team fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina pro plan sport made for hardworking dogs of all ages. Every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com.
2: You mentioned all the blood, sweat, and tears that's gone into getting us this far, and and I know we, we won't get into these de- these details, but I know there's more work to do where we continue to face challenges with wetland loss and wetland degradation there on the Gulf Coast, and we, you know our objectives continue to tell us that there's more work to do, and so I know there's no shortage of work left on your plate. But what I do want to shift a bit to here now is recognition that the Texas Prairie Wetland Project and its partners received last year. If I have this correct, I believe uh, that program that project was awarded the 2019 Conservation Wrangler Award, given by a group known as Texan by Nature. Uh, and interestingly, I think f- the former First Lady, Miss Laura Bush, has a connection to that uh, to that group. So, tell us a little about that.
3: So, the Texan by Nature group, you know, through their Conservation Wrangler program. Uh, Last, I guess that was late last fall, late last summer. Recognized the Texas Prairie Wetlands Project for one of their Conservation Wrangler Awards, and basically what that does, it's it's highlighting you, you know some of the very best uh, Texas conservation efforts that really you know bring together uh, people and funders and habitat and wildlife and conservation. Um, and given that the, that the Texan by nature um, was founded. Uh, by former First Lady Laura Bush, it's even more, it's really a great recognition for the program to receive that. You know, we run, you know, we run in our typical conservation circles with, you know, Texas Parks and Wildlife, Fish and Wildlife Service, Gulf Coast Joint Venture groups like that. It's really neat to be recognized by this group that doesn't necessarily know what we do every day on the landscape to recognize that as a, as, as a very, as a, as a highly recognized Texas conservation program.
2: Was that I had never heard of this program. I think this is like super cool, especially given uh, former first lady's connection to this. But any sort of statewide recognition for programs that are doing good conservation work, I think, is just fantastic. And it's super that Ducks Unlimited and partners were a recipient of that. But, but tell me if did that did did that award come with any type of financial contribution to the project? Uh, I mean, obviously it puts a spotlight on the project, which is not a bad thing at all. it's a it's it's great, but was there any financial element to the award?
3: being being recognized as a conservation wrangler by by Texan by nature certainly exposes the program or highlights the program to a whole new group of people and companies that can that can become more aware of the Texas Prairie Wellness Project and what it does and 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 as part of what um, as part of what the I guess the recognition provided by Texan by Nature, obviously they have you know they have funders into the Texan by into the Texan by Nature program and you know Texan by Nature is trying to you know find us you know whether it be corporations or foundations that would be willing to contribute to the Texas Prairie Wetland Project, you know, those activities are underway. And, you know, again, that exposes us to a whole, you know, to just, a, to just a, a whole other, you know, group of potential partners to help us, you know, grow and expand this program. You know, one of the things they, 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 that Texan by nature has done too is increase kind of the promotion or awareness of the program. This, this program is successful as it's been. Um, hasn't really been promoted very well. It kind of runs by word of mouth and just history on the landscape, you know, with private landowners. Uh, and obviously that's you know, contributed that that kind of quiet way of doing business has resulted in 85,000 acres and, and like you mentioned, you know, 15 to 20 plus percent of the habitat in any given year. Um, but this will be some really, some really neat statewide recognition and uh, it's really neat to be included with, you know, there were other projects around the state that were also recognized. It was a really good setting because we were, you know, we were there with, again, other conservation and NGO groups doing good work around the state, and to have the Texas Prairie Wetland Project be part of that, that was really a cool night to, to, to be part of that.
2: And if I remember correctly, I saw a photo that uh, you actually got to meet the former First Lady, right?
3: So we all got to have our photo taken uh, with the former First Lady, and just ironically, in my prior life, as when I worked for Parks and Wildlife, I have my photo taken with her husband as well. <laughs> when he was... He was the governor running for president at the time, but I have my photograph of him as well.
2: Yeah, I think I might have seen that that photo in your office or something. I've seen a yeah. photo with was, was somebody had with uh, with W and I wasn't sure if that was you. And so that's that's pretty yep. cool. Now was sure he? Was.
3: It is pretty cool, yeah.
2: Did he happen to be around for that?
3: Uh, I did not see him. I did not see him the whole day or evening, it, it, I guess, at anything like that. So, and Ms. Laura Bush, she is really, I mean, she is really, I mean, obviously, you know, we, you know uh I certainly got to meet her, but just to hear her speak, the kind of, you know, just the passion she has for Texas and conservation and natural resources, um, she, uh, you know, she, uh, she is certainly a, a, a good leader for that program.
2: I do want to back up to correct – I shouldn't say correct myself, but to add some additional context to something I said earlier. Uh, It's one of the interesting things about kind of serving as a co-host on this. You think about what you're asking, and you're like, oh, I need to go back and clarify that. So so here's one of those instances. Um, Whenever we were talking about the 14 to – 23 percent or quarter of the total waterfowl habitat accounted for by this project i do want to clarify that that's that's in reference to the habitat waterfowl habitat that occurs within this agricultural based landscape of coastal texas that excludes that coastal uh, the coastal wetlands you know so there's a there's a thousands tens or hundreds of thousands of acres of of coastal wetlands there on the texas coast and so just kind of wanted to carve that out and make sure we were clear it's that uh, 14 to 23% of the agricultural based wetlands. So I could just imagine someone that actually had a good understanding of how many coastal wetlands there were in Texas kind of uh, doing the math and say wait a minute that's not that's not right. So
3: <laughs> cuz the coastal stuff is is different, right? It's coastal marsh. It's big, deep coastal marsh. And, um, you know, the intent of the program was to to work on smaller wetland sites inland from the coastal marsh.
2: That's right. And the reason we do that, it gets back to our conservation planning where we look across the region and we look at the important waterfowl habitat types and we say, okay, how many of this waterfowl, how many acres of this waterfowl habitat type do we need? And how many of this do we need? So we have those numbers kind of broken out by waterfowl habitat type on the Gulf Coast. And so that's kind of how we can partition it out. And that's, uh, that's, type of information that guides DU's programs, that guides our investments in waterfowl uh, restoration projects and priorities. And so uh, we'll connect that in greater detail on some future episode. There's a lot of stuff that we can talk about there, but uh, just trying to piece this together here.
3: Yeah. And so, right. And for the program, you know, as it's grown and changed and evolved, I mean, it's been around 30 years, right? And there's been, I don't know, a handful of there's probably been five or six, you know, Ducks Unlimited regional biologists that have had their hands in the program at any given time. And most of them have gone on to other careers within Ducks Unlimited. But, you know, at the same time that our, the, the programs evolve, you know, the different contributors to the program have, have changed as well. You know, again, it, you know, started out with, the, you know, the Texas Parks and Wildlife and the Fish and Wildlife and the NRCS. And, you know, since then we've got a really good partnership uh, with the Fuchs Foundation out of Galveston, they've been a long-term contributor to the program as well, recognizing, you know, how important those shallow wetlands on that inland landscape are uh, to wintering pintails, you know, during the wintertime. So they've really latched onto that and been a, been a long-term contributor for that reason.
2: And that's a good point to draw out there, Todd, is that there are hundreds, literally hundreds of partners that have contributed to the Texas Prairie Wetland Project and its success over the past 30 years. I think I saw on, on a website that some 686 landowners have participated in this project and dozens, if not hundreds, of conservation organizations or other, uh, other entities of, of foundations that you've mentioned and so it is mm-hmm. a true partnership-based program, and um, that's just something. The importance of that can't be overstated. And so, I just want to give a shout out to all those partners that have been uh, been a part of this.
3: Yeah, it truly is. I mean, again, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not well versed in all the different programs around the country, whether they're DU programs or others. But I would certainly argue that this program is one of the longest-running, most diverse partnerships. I mean, you're mixing private landowners with federal entities, with an NGO, right? I mean, what could go wrong with all of that, right? And it's been this huge success story over 30 years. And, um, you know, it's just been, a, to me, it's got to be one of the flagship programs around the country.
2: So, Todd, I have one one final question for you here. I know the Texas Prairie Wetland Project was originally conceived as as to help provide waterfowl habitat for the birds during the fall and winter, because that's what the Gulf Coast is most well known for. But I also know that it supports the wetlands of that region, support model ducks and a few other uh, a few other species of waterfowl that may breed there. But with respect to model ducks, given their priority status there, is there any additional attention being directed to that species with respect to the type of projects that you're trying to to target uh, through this through this program?
3: Yeah, there has been, Mike, in the last probably two or three years, you know, again the program is historically focused. You know, on providing habitat for those migratory birds on, on the Texas landscape during the winter time. Obviously, we have resident model duck species here, which don't migrate. Right? Those birds are here. Uh, uh, those birds are here for the entirety of their life cycle. And what 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 we've done, we haven't really split the program into two components, but we kind of have two different mechanisms for for putting projects on the ground. Uh, one is our our. our Our traditional, you know, working with private landowners to do wintering waterfowl habitat. But then we also have a subset of funding that is really geared towards putting projects on the ground, again, with private landowners, but that hold water later into the spring for nesting and broodering model ducks. And we've also incorporated some grassland components into that as well for nesting cover. Um, It hasn't been a big component of our delivery yet, but we have those two different. Kind of funding streams, if you will, to put those different types of projects on the ground. And obviously, model ducks are pretty high priority species of concern, Um, and uh, we've been able to to carve off some funding that would really put projects on the landscape that would, in addition to to benefiting wintering waterfowl, they would provide habitat longer into the spring and summer uh, for breeding and brood-rearing model ducks.
2: I knew that was another unique aspect of the Texas Prairie Wetland Project that it provided habitat for both uh, waterfowl during winter as well as breeding. And the management strategies that you put in place and maybe even the type of wetlands that you're enhancing or restoring to, to, to satisfy the needs during winter versus summer aren't necessarily 100% compatible all the time. So it's you have to do some thinking. You have to find the right situation to deliver that habitat during the winter. Uh, deliver the habit the wetlands in a way that provides that habitat for model ducks during the breeding season. And I know that's something that we worked on while I was there. We thought a lot about that and, and struggled a bit to get that going. And so I'm happy to hear that that's still underway, and just wanted to make sure we gave a bit of airtime to that and uh, certainly look forward to the continued contributions to that species because as you mentioned, it is a high priority and it needs a lot of assistance right now.
3: Uh, obviously the ongoing land fragmentation in our state heavily, you know, lots of development in and around Houston and in the rice prairies. You know, we've lost a lot of those seasonal shallow basins and, and so working with landowners to, to either recreate some of those features or build some levees that can hold water longer into the spring and summer is certainly crucial to those birds. And again, it it has to mesh with what the land, you know, it has to mesh with what the landowner wants to do on their property as well. So it's a little bit of a balancing act. It's certainly different than our standard prairie well and delivery. And, um, you know, but it's, uh, we we certainly have landowners interested in it. You know, most, seems like most landowners are conservation minded, right? If you can educate them and and, and show them some different programs that are available to help them better manage their property for wildlife. It seems like most landowners are certainly interested in trying to
2: accomplish that. That's good to hear that dr. Todd that's going to wrap it up for us we appreciate you spending your time with us and sharing your sharing the information about this really important project this really exciting project it has a special place uh, in my in my heart you might say because I've been I was just fortunate to be associated with it and the partners around it for 13 years and I was happy to catch up with you and and talk a little bit about it and so reminisce uh, uh, you might say Um, So thanks again for taking the time to join us, and we hope to catch up with you again in the future.
3: Sounds good, Mike. I enjoyed it as well. You guys reach out anytime.
2: All right. Thank you, Todd. Special thanks to our guest on today's show, a good friend and colleague, Dr. Todd Marandino. We appreciate him jumping on the phone and talking with us about the Texas Prairie Wetland Project and all they've been able to accomplish through it. Uh, We also thank our producer here, Clay Baird, for the great work that he does. We call him the digital warrior for all of his editing work. Uh, We also thank you, the listeners, for your time and spending it with us. And as always, we thank you for your support, passion, and commitment of wetlands and waterfowl conservation.